Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub and all of our advertising revenues will be donated to support this fantastic initiative. It's now based at the Lions Centre on Bolina Road and it's run by our own Kelly Webster. This is a friendly food bank supporting families in the Bermondsey and SE16 area. If you can help support the Lions Food Hub in any way, please visit at Lions Food Hub on Twitter or get in touch with us at Achtung Millwall. The Lions Food Hub. Come on, you lions. You're listening to Achtung Millwall, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin. Except no So good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good night, whatever time of day we are listening to this podcast. This is Acton Grassroots for another edition. And we are absolutely over the moon and delighted to be invited. We're not invited to invite on, should I say. Uh, Mr. Adam Woodward, the current manager of Erith Town. Adam, how are we this evening? Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much for having me on. No, no problem at all. And thank you very much for coming on. It's, uh, no, it's, a, it's a real pleasure. And I know we've caught up a couple of times this season already, but I thought it'd be really good to put a bit of a spotlight on Erith Town and, and the management and the club and how we're going. So, so let's just start with you. So talking about yourself, how did you get into sort of like playing football at uh, uh, your level that you played at and coaching. How, how did it all come about for you, mate? Um, obviously, I was, when I was young, I was in a youth team at Thamesmead um, with Keith McMahon uh, and I progressed through there, played in the first team reserves and left there and went to, um, I just went to various clubs, East Grinstead, Lingfield, uh, played a few, uh, played half a season at Sittingbourne and then ended up playing really with, um, with my friends down at Phoenix um, when I was in the Kent and Victor League mm. and I knew Steve O'Boy who was the reserve team manager at uh, Thamesmead when I was in the youth team and I always got on really well with Steve mm. so I went and played in the Kent and Victor League it was called then um, with Steve and Tony Beckenham and we won the league um, which was really good that first season then the, the season we went up we went up into the um, what is now the Scaffold Prem I got injured pre-season and that sort of um I sort of never really, really came back from that and I petered out really and ended up going down the coaching route. Um, funnily enough, I did finish playing at Erith Town under Mark Tompkins and then I gave it up at the end of the season and went into my coaching role, at, um, which I was quite lucky with, which was a reserve team manager's job at Phoenix under Steve O'Boyle. So he was he got me into, um, into the adult side of coaching. I already obviously had a business where I'd done uh, kids coaching but he um, gave my first chance 
uh, in reserve team football. What, what was the injury, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so I've had uh, arthritis in one of my knees, um, severe tendonitis. But funnily enough, it, I, I used to get, when I got injured when I was younger, I'd come back rather quickly, but I tore my hamstring one pre-season. It took me, I think, three, four months to get back and my body just wasn't recovering. Yeah. So, and I was a goalkeeper as well, which which kicking was a strong part of my game. And I, I just lost all power in my legs from the um, from that. And I, to be honest, I just sort of had time out and lost interest. And I wasn't one that was really into my fitness. I was more interested in going out. I don't think if I look back now, I wish I'd maybe tried a little bit harder. Um, I was never a, never a top goalkeeper. I only ever played scaffold Prem, which is step five. What year if he's in now? I had a half a season in the league above, um, but I never really, really cared enough I, personally that I, I feel. And that's what I always say to players now: you've you've got to really care and be thankful that you play football. Yeah, yeah. There is there is that fine balance, though, isn't there? I, I find. Uh... You know, there's caring about the game, as you say, but then it becomes the enjoyment level. And like you were saying there, it seems that towards the end of your injury, perhaps not so much the enjoyment sort of went away exactly, but, you know, the sort of injuries and trying to come back from it was a bit sort of demoralised and so that would have had an effect. So just looking on the website and things like that, you, you were unveiled as the era town manager in, was it May 2017 or something, a few years back? Yeah, yeah. So from going from Finch Reserves, I was only there a month as manager, and I um I got promoted as first team coach by Steve after Tony Beckham left, and um we won the league, the, the Step Five League that year, and I probably said it was the uh, most enjoyable time in football that I had. And I went from Phoenix. Uh, I'd done a season and then a season as uh, coach again in the league above, and then left there and went to Glebe as manager. Yeah. Um, in step six and won the league there was there for a season um, won the league and left and literally left Glebe and within 15-20 minutes my phone rang and it was uh, someone asking to talk to me from Earth Town so it shows you was in demand then but you, you say that was uh, yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that much <laughs> I think I was just uh, I think, it was, I think the timing was, was quite lucky obviously I won step six well we won step six at Glebe and won it quite comfortably as well. We had a very good side, which was a lot of my friends, which always helps. Um, and yeah, obviously I came over to Earth Town. Yeah, and looking at the stats, um, and obviously the statement came out when you when you joined. I, I went through the archive slightly, but he said the season before you joined, the era finished just above the relegation zone. I think it was three, four points clear of the of the in, in about four from bottom with thirty one points from thirty eight games. What what did you think made here if the right team for you to join considering the year before they hadn't had the best of years funnily enough it was a, a new owner came in uh, Mark Devon who's the owner now and uh, I met him in his uh, offices in the back of his house with what was my assistant then Timmy Walden and um, my coach Sam Long who was one of my closest friends and I, I sat down he told me the visions for the club and he was quite open and honest which is what I like um the budget wasn't great the first season, but money's not everything to me and budget's not everything to me. And um, I just like things done professionally. So we sat down, we spoke, um, and I said about trying. Earth Town's always been a um, a hard place to go. And I think they sort of got lost a little bit um, towards the end. And there was grand sharing at certain teams. 
Cray Valleys, your VCDs. And I spoke to the chairman and said, we need to try and, I want to go somewhere I can build a football club from the bottom up. Yeah. Um, the first thing I asked for was that we move back to the stadium where we are now. So we had to have a season at VCD because we had a year left there. Um, and then I said, I want to return to the stadium. Um, and to be honest, Mark sold it really well to me. And when I took over, we had, I think, three footballs. And mm. I gave him a list of what I felt we needed. I needed tracksuits, trading kits, balls, bat, all this. And I think literally within two weeks of me taking a job, it was delivered which I knew yeah. he'd be a man of the world and he always has been. Is whenever I need something, um, if he can't do it, I say I can't do it. But majority of the time, he knows what it's, it's, it's what I usually ask him for. is usually best for the football club. Just just to follow on from that, I've, I've met Mark a number of times. Um, obviously, at the year of 10, year of Belvedere game, um, we do some things with a supporters club. Um, as you're aware, you know, there's, there's discounted breaks, which Mark was a huge part of setting up. And you're, you're right, Mark, Mark's a very honest, very down-to-earth guy who put so much work in. And I remember when I went to the Eurotown, Eurofilmia game, he was actually on the turnstile, wasn't he? Collecting like the money and, and giving out the tickets and things like that. And you think, you know, in all, in all due respect, he's like the chairman of the club and he's, he's standing really with that. But he, I remember he said to me, literally, it was like, unfortunately just before the pandemic hit, that he's trying to make it like a really community club and that kind of thing. And, and for those who know the sort of Eurofilmia area pretty well, when you get to the church on the corner, there's a huge sign that isn't there that says, like, you know, partnered with the local church up the top of that kind of thing. And you do a lot of soccer schools, not you personally, obviously, but uh, the club do a lot of soccer schools at the weekends. And how do you think Erith are seen in the local area or Erith Town are seen in the local area compared to the likes of, say, Erith and Belvedere, Welling United, um, these other non-league clubs, Dartford, BCDs, as you just mentioned. Do you, do you think they could be mentioned in the same kind of breath or you're aiming to get there? Yeah, so obviously with the community scheme, is something that I set up alongside Mark with my coaching company. Um, so we sort of did it together and that's gone from strength to strength. We had uh, probably two years ago now, we'd done an Easter course down at um, the local school and we had, we'd done it for free uh, for the local community. We had 130 children there that came along for the day to play football and we was lucky enough that... Um, Bradley Dat came down for the days, uh, came down and met the children as well, which is always good uh, for the yeah, children. Yeah, lovely. So, we're, like I said, we're trying our hardest to be to, to do as much as we can in the community. It would be ideal, obviously, if we had our own ground, um, which I know Mark and Steve Holly, Dean Lee, and the committee are trying their hardest to strive to get. Um, and I think that's what, if we was to get that, I really do feel this football club could be one of the biggest in the area regarding the children's kids' teams. We've got 12, 13 teams now. Um, when we joined, when I joined, we had none. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, we're trying to filter our community scheme football into Sunday League so that they turn into teams. I think we've got three teams from that this season. Also got a great Wildcats scheme as well uh, for girls only footballers, about 15 to 20 children there. And um, we've got head of youth football in Lewis Brown, who's doing a fantastic job in recruiting young uh, coaches as well, a couple of the uh, academy lads and who are playing the first team, Harry Lawrence and Tom Ash, they're now coaching within the community scheme and taking kids' sides on a Sunday, which is always good for the children to see some of the first team players playing on a Saturday afternoon, then they're their manager on a Sunday, which is always good. Yeah, exactly. And and the, they still see that as like journeys that they can go on, can't they? And um, that kind of thing. And like you say, it's, it's quite... I don't think people realise 
to a degree that even even sort of like non-league footballers or footballers um, in in your division, if kids go and watch these these players play, and then these players give these kids like the, or young supporters the time, it really means a lot to them. It can that can be the thing that really gets them like involved in the game a bit more and try that bit harder. And yeah, for I mean I'm I'm in the area and you know as much as I know of here from Belvedere's and the Wellington and all these as well, here in town really do seem to be doing a very proactive way of reaching out to the community, which I think is brilliant. So if we look at what's um, happening on the field at the moment, you had a real like sort of topsy-turvy start, didn't you? And I mean, I mean, I remember when we spoke after the year of Derby game that you had a lot of players out. I think you said you had about six or seven for, for a number of different reasons. But since then, you know, you've seemed to like really turn the corner and, and now what, you're fourth place, just four points off the top. I know we're early. Um, I know we're only eight games into the season and you being a Millwall fan, Adam, you'll know what, Kenny Jacket was like the whole judgment after 12 games. But are you are you happy with how it's been and recent results have gone? Yeah, we it was um we had a quite honest discussion with the players after the year from Belvedere game and went over some stuff at training and we're quite lucky we can, we got video analysis. So we went over things and we're looking at the goals we conceded, and they're all preventable goals, they're all individual mistakes, and we've we have we have sort of gone back to basics defensively. Um, and I do, I use the likes of um, I do the Millwall side as Sean Hutchinson and Jake Cooper. Whenever I get a chance to watch Millwall, they just defend. They don't do anything else. They head and just kick the ball. And if they're in danger, they head it out of play, reset. And we've started to do that defensively. And we're starting to look really solid. Um, a lot of that is down to my coach, Russell Bedford. He's really, really good within, um, with our shape work. Um, and we're building the foundations from the back. Um and, that, and, and that's that's really helping us going forward because we will always score goals, but we, we we was leaking some at the time. But now we seem to have uh, we're starting to keep clean sheets, which is good. We're starting to get players back, which is good. We've added a few signings, which has helped as well. So yeah. hopefully, we listen. It's early days. We're obviously fourth at the moment. It, it's who knows. We, we just we just keep doing what we've got to do, and we just keep our head down and keep going. Yeah, and. And we've said about how you are with the with the team performances, and you're saying about how strong and good you are at the back. But you've also you've also got a lot of goals scored as well at the moment, haven't you? And and it's sort of good for fans or neutrals if they come to some of your games that they'll be guaranteed a high scoring scoring game. Has there ever been anyone who sort of stood out for you? I know you mentioned the defence there, but has there been anyone up top who really has has impressed you so far? Yeah, so obviously um, Stephen Cander is our top goal scorer at the moment. He's doing really well. Um, Obviously, we have Michael Power as well, who's who's obviously got a lot of experience and has played a very good level. Uh, Fred Abassa, he's injured at the moment, and Danny Gannon, who we haven't seen all year really. He's he's um he's he had a hamstring injury pre-season. He just can't get back yet. But the the, the one that is shining through at the moment, he scored last night. Is young Alfie Eldridge, um, who's been very patient. He's taken his chances when he gets starts and when he comes on. And he's he's definitely one for the future. Um, like I said, he scored last night. He took his goal well, but first thing he said when he came off, he said I could have had three or four there, which he was. Which I was honest with him, said, "Yeah, you, you really do need to be scoring the goals that you, you know, the chances you missed." Um, and he's he's hard on himself, but he's only seventeen years of age. But he's definitely one that we can that will uh, play a high level of football. And like I said, he started last night. He done very well. He's probably got man of the match. And and like you say there, you don't want to be too critical on him, but it's good that he's acknowledging things he needs to work on and, and a lot of young players and uh, have this sort of not immaturity is the wrong word but 
I think football's changed to a point now where with social media and, you know, being able to upload videos here, there and everywhere, you're seeing a lot of videos of people doing things sort of right, which is good, but it, you don't see many things where people need to work on. So for some, for a young head like that to, to realise there needs to be some work done, really, really good to see. So we touched on it before the call and you just mentioned it there, but yesterday you managed to secure um, a 1-0 win over Fisher, who they're around mid-table in the league at the moment, but they're a tricky side to beat, aren't they? And up in this weekend coming, should I say, is, um, is a game against Glebe in the FA Vars second qualifying round. How important are these these cups to you? Because I know, like, obviously the league is the bread and butter, but and I know we're in qualifying rounds at the moment and that kind of thing, but you do want to have good runs in the cups to keep this momentum going, don't you? Yeah, so we had a few walking wounded last night, so we made a few changes um, and... We've obviously got a very successful under twenty three side at the moment are doing really well on a very good uh, academy side. So I felt it was right last night to take a few of the lads that were struggling with injuries out. Um and we had six academy lads in the squad last night that are under seventeens, under eighteens, plus two lads that are under eighteen as well. So we had uh, like seven or eight under eighteen players in the squad last night and we wasn't treating the cup with a disrespect. It was just we had to look up to the future, which was Sheppy on Saturday in the FA Vars. And like I said, we got a few carrying knocks. And last night, I, it was a really, really good test for the youngsters. And they stood up firm and they played really, really well. AJ always has strong attacking sides. And I felt that the 1-0 was a, a really good result. And it could have possibly been a few more on the night. Yeah, because I remember when, when we spoke to AJ a couple of weeks back on the podcast, he he was saying about, uh, you know, they've got a lot of players who, who play some good attacking football. And... And as I said, Fisher are one of these teams and where the, where the season's still quite in its early days, they could be in a false position, couldn't they, where you know they probably should be or expect to be higher up the table. So to get a 1-0 there is excellent. And we'll, we'll touch on the youth teams because you, you did ask when we set up this um, interview in, in an email if we could just mention some because uh, is it next Wednesday you've got Glebe um, in the FA Youth Cup? Um, yes. So, just just touch on like the youth teams and how how they're getting on, and and are you excited about the future? You said about building a club, and you know you spoke about the soccer schools in the community, but how do you see this club being in five years on the pitch? Are there any good signs in the youth that we can really you know build on something and go from here? So we set up an academy last year. It was um, so an educational post sixteen program, and we started off with twenty boys and. Um, season we've got 45 so we have two sides but we've got an FA Youth Cup um, game at Glebe the boys have done really well the last two rounds they went away to Chatham and beat Chatham after going down to 10 men um, and then they went to Maidstone a couple of weeks ago and uh, won there as well which is really really good to beat two very very strong established sides in senior football um, the pathway for these boys is definitely there so like I said we had six lads playing the in the squad last night. Um, so we had the likes of Harry Lawrence, Ronnie McLean, Tom Ash, Alfie Eldridge, Jude Jeffrey. They've all played in the first team this year. Young David that plays as well. He's popped up into the first team last night. Jay Baker's played in the first team. So we've got, like I said, an 
eight or nine youngsters that really, really are knocking on the door of the first team at 17, 18 years of age. They just need to be nurtured a little bit. They need to be dipped in and out. Consi- they need to be a little bit more consistent. There's no point frying them in at the deep end and expecting these lads to play 30, 35 games at this level of football because it's, it's, it's unrealistic. Yeah. Um, being dropped in and out and like I say to the boys, they're very, very hungry to play, but they've also got to understand that they're playing against some very good sides, some very good footballers. And it's a big jump from under-18s football on a Sunday morning to playing step five football. But like I said, at the moment, they've done really, really well and they are progressing and will be within the first thing, with a higher hope within the next 18 months if they keep themselves on the uh, straight and narrow. No, no, and that's excellent. And, and like we were saying earlier on with the youth, um, and you from the community scheme programs you've got and the sort of soccer schools all that kind of stuff when they see these players come down um, you know it's, it's obviously good for their morale but like you say to, to have a clear pathway because a, lo- a lot of footballers don't they they they'll, there, there seems to be like a big gulf between like the first team and, and reserves or under 23s or youths or however you want to call them these days so there's the whole big net isn't there that gets thrown out and one or two gets kept in and then the rest get tucked aside but if you as you mentioned, the pathway there, but they can see that if they keep working hard and they keep following their goals and that kind of thing, they can make it. It, it will help you keep and retain your players, won't it? Because with, with non-league, especially sort of in the London area or or when you're in the sort of area we are in now where you've got like well in, as teams we've said, Dartford, you guys, BCD, Irith and Belvedere, um, Sporting Thamesmead, it can become a little bit of a merry-go-round, can't it? So it's good that you seem to have a nice club set up there where people want to join and actually stay for a little while, don't they? Yeah, so we, like I said, we've got a very strong under-16 side, a very strong under-18 side, um, and then we've got our post-16 programme, our under-23s, and then into the first team. So the pathway is clear and is there. Um, and we're at the level now in the year of town within the budgets, we do have to use the youth team lads and we do have to use these players. Um, and like I said, that I'm not afraid to throw the youngsters in. I feel they hold their own. They're very mature. They obviously, they try and play the right way. They just obviously lack sometimes a little bit physically. But I, like I said, in the next 18 months, I would be expecting a lot of them to be in the first team. No, that's brilliant. And Next weekend's um, in the league. I know you've got the FA Vars, as we said, coming up and everything that comes with it. But next weekend, you're um, away to Canterbury City. Um, yeah, in, in the league. So, see we, see, we do our research on this show, Adam. Don't worry. We're not one of these who just sit there like with uh, Excel spreadsheets and try and work out where, you know, we, we know where you, we're meant to be going. But um, how, how, do you, how are you going to prepare for that one? Because that's a, that's a fair old drive down to Canterbury, isn't it? Yes. So, obviously, we've got Sheppey Saturday, which will be a tough game. Um, it takes our mind a little bit off the league. And then we go to Canterbury next week. We're training Monday and Wednesday, prepare right. Like we will, we'll do our research. Obviously, we're quite lucky. We have a scout as well that goes and watches the opposition for us. So, he'll be at scouting in Canterbury, looking to see where they're playing. Um, I'll get that report back. We'll look at their strengths and their weaknesses. And then next Saturday, we'll make the journey down to Canterbury, which is is, is a tough place to go. They obviously play at Faversham. Um, so that'll be that'd be tough. And obviously, they've had a bit of a turbulent uh, week with their financial woes and stuff that's come out recently. So, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a difficult time to go and play them. No, brilliant. And um, no, for all of us on the pod and everyone... 
listening, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they'll be wishing you best. But before we go, um, I will touch on just one final point. Uh, I don't know if listeners obviously heard it when you said about Jake Cooper, should I say, um, and Sean Hutchinson. Uh, you're a Millwall fan, aren't you, Adam? Which is um, um, yeah. Well, my my family's at Millwall, so my uncle, obviously David, that you know, is a Millwall fan. I'm actually an Arsenal fan, but I prefer Millwall. I prefer watching Millwall. I prefer the atmosphere at Millwall. It's cheaper. Um, no, it's it's not so much. <laughs> I just, I, I'm not. Uh, Arsenal's too tourist-like for me. I, I prefer going to Millwall, like I said, on a, when I can with my uncle and um, with his friends. Obviously, I've met you a couple of times with your dad there as well. So it's always nice just to go there, go in the old social club, have a drink and then go to Millwall. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's, it's, it's very good down there. I like it down there a lot. And do you think the season's going for Millwall at the moment? Do you, do you think you're thinking of putting your CV in if it keeps getting any worse? No, I think... I think um, Oh, he's, he's doing a very good job, right? He's obviously Mill haven't got the greatest of budgets. Um, it, it's, it's difficult when when I go watch watch down there when Harris was in charge. A lot of people moaned about the style of football, but it was effective and it won games. And I think a lot of football fans now watch what they see on the TV with your Man Cities, with your Liverpools, and they think, oh, we can play total football and things like that. At the end of the day, football's about winning games. Um, if I said to a Millwall fan that you're going to play pretty football all year, but you're going to finish fifth from bottom, or you're going to play long ball and win the league. They're going to take. They're going to want to win the league, um, and I think sometimes people have to be realistic, and they need to be realistic where Mill are, what Mill's about. It's a hard-working team. They have to work hard at the den, otherwise the fans can get on their back. But no, I just think they may be lacking a, a forward. Really, um, I think that's what they're missing. But it depends the style of football you play. I always liked it when I always liked Matt Smith when he plays and they're directing to him and they feed off him with Jed Wallace, which is good. But yeah, I think if Millwall can get a top half finish, I, I do generally believe that's a successful season for Millwall, especially with some of the sides that are in that league. Um, my uncle will probably tell you different. He's always expecting the playoffs, but I think that's. Um, you need a lot of money and you need, like we said before, we need to spend money on a forward if we want to be in the playoffs and with a financial fair play, that's tough. Mm. Well, the ultimate question is, uh, Adam, do you think that, um, you know, if it doesn't go well for him, do you think you could offer a lifeline to John Daddy Budvars? Oh, yeah, well, um, he's my uncle's favourite player. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah, he, uh, he, he's, he's a bit, uh, he's not a, Gets a lot of stick down at Mill Vardson, to be honest. But again, are they playing to his strengths? We don't know. We don't know. For every Mill fan, it's easy to criticise on a Saturday from the stands. We don't see what goes on behind the scenes on a training ground, how Rowett wants teams to set up, how Rowett wants teams to, his teams to play. So we don't we don't see that inside of everything. Um, that's why I always think these documentaries that they do on Amazon with the Man City and the Tottenham are really good because you see the inside of what actually goes on during the week. And I think a lot of Mill fans need to realise that we don't always see what goes on. I've been at the Den before and they've sat back and absorbed pressure and the fans are booing and they're moaning. And Numerous times I've turned to people I've been and said, it might be the way he's set up. He might want them to do this. It might not be that the players are not working hard. They might just be told you need to sit back. And like I said, it is tough. You need to um, see what goes on the training ground. Yeah, yeah. And um, just a final note, um, 
this infamous uncle David um, Adam. Uh, I think you can also back me up on this one. I, I always remember a time when we signed Gary Alexander, um, and he wasn't massively keen on Gary Alexander when we first signed him for a couple of years. And then a couple of years after Gary Alexander left, you went, Cool, we've been after that Gary Alexander, don't we? And all of Block 3 just was stunned into silence. <laughs> yeah, I bet, he, I, I bet he wouldn't say that if you see him. Yeah, yeah, no, probably wouldn't know exactly. Where's he now, Gary Alexander? Isn't he at Beckenham or something like that? We shouldn't yeah, he's at Beckenham, yeah, yeah. He obviously, he, um, he, he left Glebe and went to, a, he went back playing with Beckenham. He's a, he's a nice fellow, Gary. And I, I remember being at Wembley when he scored that goal. And I remember the first time, I think he took over at Greenwich Borough, it might have been, and I actually spoke to him on the phone. That was the first thing, the first conversation I said to him was, I see your guy at Wembley, still the greatest guy I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so yeah, he's a really nice fellow, Gary, but I'm sure my uncle uh, wouldn't be slating him like he did. Yeah. If you see him. I, I, yeah. Think he was, I, think, I think he did meet him at one of our games. I think he's his hero. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why he started liking him again. Uh, liking him, yeah. I yeah. met him at a game, lovely fellow. But yeah, so... um. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll leave it there, Adam. But thank you again for your time. I won't take up too much more your evening because it's, uh, right. it's it's getting a bit late now. But um, no, really, really appreciate it. Um, and I know the listeners will like, will like the show. You know, obviously, we're getting good numbers with these grassroots shows. And Brilliant. it's good to see the other side of it, really, because as we know, grassroots football may, may not have the sort of glamour as you said, the Man Cities and all these big, big clubs. But... You know, it's it, it's nice it's nice to see people digging in and working hard, isn't it? So, thank you very much, Adam. And with that, I will say goodbye, listeners. So, Arriva Dirty Millwall. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Aston Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky review. Arriva Dirty Millwall. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? 